You're listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I am your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Jason Daniels, and newcomer Justin Laird. Hey, guys. Good evening. How are you doing? All right. Good. Uh, thanks for coming out. Uh, let's get right into it. Uh, we usually always start with NASCAR iRacing Series, and uh, this week, uh, Brickyard 400 at Indianapolis. I guess I'll start out uh, with how I ran uh, at Indy. Uh, the Open, I got wrecked out early. Uh Nothing I could have done. You know, they wreck in front of you. What are you going to do? P20 there. That was that lap 21, too. Uh, I think it was a blown engine. I had to wait, you know. And then I went back out there and fought for everything I could get. But that's all I could get. Wasn't as much attrition as I thought. You know, I I thought maybe I'll get back to 15th if I just finish. But P20 was what I could get. Uh, Thursday for fixed... I had a bad qualifying as usual <laughs> uh, and was back about 20th or so and it really wasn't going forward or backwards. Uh, we finally had green flag stops and uh, as I stopped in on pit road under green flag, the caution came out literally as I was putting my right side tires on. I finished the stop because obviously I was in the middle of it uh, and barely came out in front of the leader like he was flying by, and I got to the line, the pit in, entrance or exit line, right as he was coming by, and just barely beat him by, by an inch. And so that allowed me to wave, stay in front of him, and then that allowed me to wave by the pace car as the pace car picked up the leader. So I was able to stay on the lead lap and then not pit whenever they all pitted and then came around uh, basically to the top ten at that point. Uh, ended up bringing it home uh, fifth place after getting track position that way. So a great run for me in a long event, the Brickyard 400. I actually watched that one. Yeah. Yep, that was a, a, a good race for me. I usually am pretty slow there. I, I couldn't believe how important track position was in this race uh at least for me i didn't even see other people really though that were going through the field maybe there was one or two people that were actually moving you know forward but uh track position was big and that little shake up in the you know when we got the caution in the middle of the green flag run really shook up uh where everybody was running you know all the leaders that were up in the lead at that point in the top 10, they ended up in the back because of what happened. Anybody who short pitted ended up in the back. Yeah, you're right. When I was watching it, it looked like a freight chain. Nobody was really moving. Yep. And if you get pushed up to the outside uh, at all or go wide or miss the line, yeah, it's freight train city. I mean, you are definitely slower. You're definitely going backwards and everybody takes advantage of it. So, So that was a fixed Friday. I ran it again. Uh, now, 
I don't have a set, and and it was the open, and so I was going to run the fixed set, like I did on Wednesday. Wednesday was just fine. So Friday, you know, I I sit down right as the the bell's about to ring for the start of the race. You know, I don't have a lot of time. Uh, I I load up the set. The fixed set, okay, that iRacing provides, and it fails tech. And, like, I'm pushing buttons in the garage, and I'm trying different things to make it pass tech. I cannot figure out how to do it. I'm not good with doing garage stuff like that. And so then I just started loading other sets. I loaded other indie sets that I had from last year that saved to my hard drive. I, I... I finally loaded a Pocono set, uh, an uh, racing fixed Pocono set, because I've always heard that Pocono and Indy are similar. Uh, I checked the gear ratio between the Indy set that failed and the Pocono fixed set, and it was the same gear ratio. So I said, okay, this is what I'm doing. I'm running the Pocono fixed set at Indy for 400 miles. That's That's funny. That's crazy. It is crazy, and uh, it wasn't too bad, to tell you the truth, though. I mean, it worked. Um, You know, I was running near the back. It was a little loose. I got caught up in other people's wrecks, and eventually I parked it. Um, It was tore up. I had the same problem as you when I went to the A-car and tried to load the fix set. It wouldn't... uh... Wouldn't load, kept failing. I don't know what's going on with that. Yeah, what happened is that last uh, patch they put out, they fixed a a bug where if you sat in the garage and you just didn't do anything, eventually it would fall out of tech. And so they fixed that, and that this is the result of that, and it broke a bunch of cars as far as the fixed setups. That's what I've read. So we'll get into that a little bit more later in the podcast. Uh, uh, finally, Sunday night, I actually ran, uh, well, I didn't run, uh, Tyler Conroy, a teammate, ran. And guess what? He won the the Brickyard 400, his split. So congrats to Tyler. Uh, he's had five wins now in NIS this season. Three of them have been full-length, 100% length races and crown, crown jewels. He won the, the Daytona 500. He's won the Brickyard 400 and the Coca-Cola 600 this year so and then two other races as well that's great that's fantastic and he was stoked on the facebook chat i just wish i was home where i would be able to hear him in team speak because he was nine kinds of excited on facebook oh yeah yeah he ran with me uh actually on what was it thursday night he uh was having a good run and actually got wrecked out um, I think he was running third when he got wrecked out. Um, and he had a, he had a tough night. Well, just because of that pit call at the end, he, he basically, they were having a bunch of late cautions. Uh, I don't know how many it was to go, but he basically pitted and a lot of them didn't. And he it put him back there and instead of fighting for the win, he was fighting, you know, for 10th to 5th. And, uh, he ended up getting wrecked. 
But uh, yeah, Indy is over. <laughs> so what about you guys? You run Indianapolis at all, or I did not. Um, with it being a full length race uh, and me still being pretty new, I did not end up committing to the long race. Um, just in like the hour and a half, two hour races, I found that like my leg, my knee has been sore when I was done. So I think I, as I get more practice, more experience, do the NIS more, uh, my leg muscles will gain that endurance. I do want to do Talladega. I'm aiming for that in the fall. Uh, and I'm also setting a goal that I, I want to try to do a, uh, team on the, at least the roar before the 24 uh, the two point four hour race in Jan- in the early winter next year, uh, if not the twenty four hours Daytona, kind of set a far out goal uh, to get the muscles, get the endurance up, and to get used to the longer races. That way, I can do I can do the full length next year. Yeah, I you know I'm a former winner at the Daytona twenty four. The first time we ran it, uh, our team won it, and I was a driver uh, for part of that. That was when they paid us money. We actually got uh, credits from iRacing for winning that race that first time. We call they called it the Roar Before the Twenty Four, but it was basically the first time we had a team event that was a, a full length event, and we won it. So it was pretty cool. Uh, what, what about you, Justin? Any uh, Indianapolis or? This was the first week I actually ran Indy. I've been a member for a while, but I've been kind of intimidated by it. And I ran the B car four times, but between computer issues and internet issues, I only got to complete one time, and I started second and finished third. So I enjoyed it. Nice run. Thank you. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, actually. The B car and that track are perfect for each other. That'll kill your eye rating, not finishing races, though. Uh, well, yeah, I did nothing I could do about it the either... Uh, the computer jumped out or the internet jumped out. I just was out of my control. Right. Yeah, you got to wor- yeah, work on that. That's the hardest thing. It's kind of like uh, in real racing when you have mechanical issues. Well, you're basically experiencing uh, the equivalent. Uh, you know, when you don't have good internet or your computer's kind of iffy, that's the worst thing to have to deal with. Well, the last race, I started in the back, ran up to eighth place, Two laps to go, and the internet just dropped out. I was so upset. All right, uh, Poconos this week. Uh, Not really a fan of Pocono, but uh, I'm hoping for a good finish due to attrition, which is, I think, typically what happens there. I'm just slow off three. Other people seem to just be able to mash the gas there, and I'm just a little more timid, and that's all it takes for them to pass you, so... Uh, we'll see how it goes. What do you guys think about Pocono? It'll be my first time at Pocono. Uh, I am planning the race this week. I basically kind of took a, a week off, uh, but I'm planning to get a couple in possibly Saturday morning and uh, the Thursday night. Uh, a lot of attrition from what I remember hearing about Pocono and uh, just getting the tunnel turned down. It seems the tunnel turn is what a lot of people struggle with and where a lot of the moves can be made. Yeah. And yeah. one is tough, too. I mean, it's a tough track, really. It's tough, but it's fun because a lot of people don't really know how to race it, so you can do a lot of passing there. Yeah. 
Well, let's do the QA with uh, Justin. You're the first time on the show. We usually do a QA here, so let's go through that next. Uh, now that we've covered the NIS, let's tell us when did you get your start with iRacing and how did you initially hear about it? Well, I started in uh, 2012 and I was racing Gran Turismo and thought there had to be something better. And so I went and Googled sim racing and iRacing popped up and that's when I, uh, I joined. Nice. So you've been around a while. Yes, sir. All right. And how often are you racing now? Uh, uh, Like how many times a week? And what series do you normally run? Uh, Well, I I come and go sometimes. um, But now I want to get into it and really see how far I can take it. So I'm looking to run at least four times a week. And right now I'm running the B car and the C truck because of my computer issues. I can't run the INS. I just can't handle it at the moment. Um, Right. But, you know, once I get that taken care of, I'll jump in that, and then we'll, 2018, we'll try to compete, see if we can win something. Now, you mentioned hardware issues, so tell us about that, and what kind of wheel and pedals do you have, and how many monitors? Okay, I got got the Fanatic Club Sport V2 base. I have the BMW wheel, the F1 wheel, and the stock car wheel. Whoa. And I also have the Fanatic... Uh, Elite pedals and Fanatic shifter, and I only run one monitor at the moment. But I have a, I live in a small little two-two condo, so I don't have a lot of room for triple screens or anything like that. You thought about going to VR at all, or? Absolutely. As soon as we build this computer, I'm building it for VR. That's the next step. Absolutely. Yeah. Nice. Uh... What about leagues uh, or teams? Uh, any involvement of, with that kind of stuff, or is this official or or hosted or what? I'm a part. I'm a member of a bunch of leagues. I uh, haven't really run with any of them uh, recently. Uh, Sim 500 is one of them that I've been trying to do, but just haven't done it yet. And I'm hoping to get, be a part of Tafosi. That's kind of the plan, and taking that full on. So I hope that works out. Okay, good. Yeah, we're growing here at Tifosi Racing, and uh, we're happy to have you. Um, Pocono's next, man. Let's tear it up. But uh, Tyler is on our, is definitely our lead driver right now. And Tyler Conroy, I tell you what, he belongs. His I rating should be about five or six thousand, by my my estimation. Uh, right now, it's about three, and uh, so he's he's growing. He's going up. Uh, he's got all these bit wins this year, and, and uh, certainly, certainly is showing that uh, he belongs in the top split. So I was telling him, you know how, uh, you know when we were talking about his last win, I was saying, look, we got to get you in the top split, man. You know it's good to win, win these races when you're in third and fourth split, but uh, get in top split and let's see what you can do, you know. And uh, and that's what he's doing. So uh, you know NIS is a great way to grow your I rating. Uh, as long as you're making good finishes, you know. What I particularly like about the iRating in NIS is it it groups you so well. Since there's four to 500 people that can sign up, you're getting in a split that is your skill level. So you're truly racing against people in your skill level. You sign up for a, a, a C-fixed race in the middle of the week, there may only be three splits, and you could be way above your head, or you could be in a split that's 
that you're way better than, and, and they can definitely change the dynamic. Well, that's my point with Tyler. He used to be a 4,500, and then he fell a long ways back. So he's getting back to where he belongs. He's just passing through. And there's people like that. You'll see people that pass through your splits. Like uh, all of a sudden you'll be racing with a new face, and you'll see, oh, wow, they're really good, and they make get some wins or some top fives. And next thing you know, you don't see them anymore because their eye rating's way above yours, and they're going on up, you know. All right, uh, let's finish up the QA. Uh, any third-party software you're running uh, besides iRacing when you're in the sim? And what is your most memorable iRacing moment? Um, I use the VRS. Um, it's not really a third-party software, but I use the VRS. And I use a sim racing app. It's free, and it gives you a... Uh, when you go into pit road, it beeps when you're over the speed limit. And it gives you a countdown, and you can do some pit adjustments on... Uh, on the fly there and I use that and uh, my most memorable moment uh, hmm. that's a hard one I don't know <laughs> I don't really know uh, would have been this last uh, race at Indy the way I was passing people but it didn't work out for me um, I don't really have a most memorable moment to be honest with you well then you got some racing to do and get a win that counts like a, the Daytona 500 or something uh Go get it, man. I hope to. I absolutely hope to. Awesome. All right, let's jump to dirt racing. Did you guys do any? I didn't. I don't do dirt. I did some practicing since uh, the C trucks were at Eldora, but I ended up not confident enough to race. Yeah, you really got to know what you're doing or you're going to lose your I rating jumping in those dirt races. That's what I learned. And the C-truck is really hard on dirt. Oh, yeah. There's so much power. You got to, like, just feather that throttle like there's an egg under it, you know, just to get the thing to go straight enough that you don't wreck. Okay, so uh, other racing, uh, Brock, Brock Hopkins, who's uh, been on the podcast a few times, he couldn't make it this week. Uh, he wanted to let us know that uh, he, he finished 26th at the Spa 24-hour race after starting 14th. So uh, at least he got a result. He got a finish. That's something to say when you, you're in a 24-hour race, I guess. Yeah, that's pretty good. Absolutely. Yeah, I didn't participate, but uh, good job, Brock. Uh, uh, final uh, other racing topics. Uh, Peak Antifreeze uh, ran. And uh, Ryan Luza makes a last-ditch effort to pass Mike Conti for the win in the final laps of the race. I actually watched that. That was awesome. Yeah, I watched the end of this race. I didn't watch the whole thing. And the end was, there was some amazing racing because Ryan was coming. I mean, Mike was leading. You could see Ryan, you know, gaining on him, running better laps every lap. And when he got there, 
what did he do? He didn't like, you know, wreck him. He just kind of nudged him a little, you know, just kind of a little la- love kiss to kind of move you up as I go on by. Just a good old bump and run, not much. Yeah, that was fun to watch. I enjoyed watching that. It was it, great racing, wasn't it? I mean, it was, and what I was thinking while I was watching it is this is as good or better than the product that NASCAR is putting on the, you know, NBC. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that one. It was, for the first time I was sitting here, sitting in my seat, kind of almost cheering for him. It, it really showed off just how true to product that iRacing is. In those last 50 laps, you had a little of everything. You had the bump and run at the end. You had people taking two tires, pit strategies. You had some cautions that knocked some people out. It was a little of everything, and then you had some Ray Alfala. You could never count him out. He charged up after a pit stop coming out like 12th, I believe, and he charged up and was making a, a decent pressure on the leaders until about the last 10 laps. Like, you can't count him out of everything. There was coming from the back. It, everything that you watch NASCAR for on Sunday, you had it in that race just in the last 50 laps. Yeah. And then the the carnage early on, I mean, kind of reminded me of NASCAR and what you see in with some of the wrecks. And But sometimes it, it was reminding me of, like, Carburetor Cup. I mean, these guys were wrecking big. It was good to see. It was refreshing, actually, to know that these guys are the best on the sim, and they wrecked too. So it was good to see that some, sometimes. Yep. Yeah, I was very pleased with the show they put on. I mean, it also illustrates how close the iRacing product is to the real NASCAR product. I mean, the racing is so similar. You know, we're seeing, you know, it's hard to tell them apart. I mean, even when you see the wrecks, they look just like wrecks in NASCAR. Speaking of wrecks, one thing that really impressed me is not just the wrecks but the mitigation of damage uh i believe it was actually ray alfala uh there were two cars that got tangled up they both spun and neither one hit the wall and both of them finished the race and that's not something i see when splits if someone spins they're not able to save it and get it going back straight but being able to save those wrecks is absolutely priceless in the points race for some of those guys yeah Yeah, good show. Um, looking forward to the next one. So, I think they're running tonight, are they? Should be. Yeah, I think it's later tonight. But uh, as we record this on a Tuesday night, uh, let's jump into topics. Uh, Jason, you're up first. First, we have a, a forum post that decided to crash on me uh, about Lanier. Uh, someone put up a poll about. We should have dirt linear, rally cross linear, or both. And Steve Reese came in and said linear was a dirt track in the 80s. They have talked about they're already developing that for dirt, but there is no ongoing development at this time regarding a rally cross version of linear. So are they doing a dirt track or not? I guess I'm confused. They are doing a dirt track for Lanier, 
but they're not doing a rally cross track right now for Lanier. I see. Well, yeah, I was just hoping for the dirt oval. Um, I didn't even know rally cross was an option there, but. Cool. I'm glad to see it. Let's bring it on. Uh, I think if they want more dirt participation, they're going to have to put out more free dirt content that does not cost people that don't want to pay for it. And Lanier is one of those tracks that comes, you know, whenever you sign up for iRacing, I think everybody gets Lanier. It's not for sale. You get it for free. Kind of like the USA uh, track. All right, so next topic is uh, what we talked about earlier about when my car wouldn't pass tech with an iRacing provided setup. But uh, basically, you know, Steve Reese uh, put up in the forums as people were talking about this, uh, why are all these setups failing? Uh, is it due to what... We, you know, they fixed previously, and he said, absolutely, that is the reason. Uh, it is basically a global uh, physics calculation change that was done that caused the problem. Uh, the other part of this, you know, Steve said in another post, uh, you know, we should have caught this in testing. Uh, we didn't. Uh, the change showed up in the dev right as we were working through the very last changes for the Season 3 build, and I don't think the impact was fully understood. Uh, we're getting reports of other cars with baseline setups failing as well. Uh, Tyler Hudson indicated the problem was due to the issue that, uh, and this is the issue, fixed an issue where ride height adjustments would continue to modulate while sitting in the garage. So that's what they fixed, and that's what caused the setups to fail. And the last part of this, uh, Chris Weldner from iRacing also posted on another thread, the latest update caused many stock car and truck setups to go out of tech. Most are minor and just take a few clicks to pass tech. We're reworking them now and will be out in the next patch. Sorry for the inconvenience. Well, at least iRacing's on top of it. Yeah, they got a fix. You know, it's going to be in the next patch. But boy, it really caught me off guard during that race. Especially when I ran the race on Wednesday with that same setup, it was just fine. Then I go on Friday to run the same series and the same race on the same track with the same setup, and it fails tech. That's the real oddity because the the patch wasn't Thursday, if I recall. That should have been. I think it you was Tuesday, expected wasn't the, it? You would have expected the same result on Wednesday and Friday. I know, and I swear to God, that's exactly what I did. I ran the same thing I ran Wednesday. So I have no idea, but. Uh, all right, what's next? Next up, there uh, was a post about what tracks are upcoming. Uh, Steve Reese went in and gave a reply that Lanier Dirt and Knoxville are the two tracks that are closest to release. Uh, Lanier Dirt is getting some nice texture updates. 
uh, and Knoxville was obviously done from scratch, uh, so he, he wasn't able to give it a specific timetable that the original poster asked, asked for, but the infamous and legit soon is his official time, time frame. Yeah, I, I'm not sure we knew about Knoxville. I mean, we knew about Ladir Dirt, but uh, yeah, nice. All right, next up is uh, our old buddy John Hammer had a neat idea in one of the forum posts, and I liked it. Uh, he said, uh, I, dig I digress, but I'd like to see the NIS, Pro, and Peak combined because there's a lot for iRacing to manage, and we don't have the user base to support the series in that much dilution. Thinking A open slash fixed, NIS open top split becomes the peak. The NIS season prior becomes pro. All other splits are NIS as is currently. I love it. So this, this kind of seems like a evolution on what they attempted this year with the NIS by moving the NIS to an A-class series. Um, and I know with some of the other road series, they do this where kind of the, the pro, the world championship series, quote-unquote, is just the top split. Um, I think the NIS is popular enough in the low, lower class ranges that you'd still have – You'd still have a lot of people in the lower licenses that that would want to continue racing it. Uh, as, as far as getting all of that combined, I mean, maybe there's something more that they can do with the pro because uh, reading through some some of this long thread here, and, and John did end up uh, deleting his original post. It looks like a couple hours ago, but reading through the thread. Uh, there's a kind of a concern about the performance overall of peak as the season goes on, because here in a couple weeks, once they cut for playoffs, there's a whole bunch of racers that are racing for nothing. Uh, and I'm not familiar with how strong the sponsorships are, how strong the influence, if there's a reason to really, really race, or if they're out of the playoffs, if there's nothing much coming in, if anything at all, uh, so there was concern about like just the quality of racing and how you have these people that qualified for pro but don't really get a realistic shot at any, any sort of title. Uh, I'm actually wondering if there would be enough demand for them to run a second series, a Xfinity-style series for those pro-licensed people that are not, not quite in the uh, peak series just yet, but something to keep their – to keep their skills sharpened, to keep their wits sharp, and to have them ready if there's something like someone quits midseason or if they need a, a substitute, substitute, substitute for a week or two or whatnot. Right. Yeah. I. You know what happened wrong with what they were trying to do with NIS this year was the the schedule change as far as how many times you were going to be able to race a week. That's where everybody blew up. I mean, everybody's used to the schedule the way it is with the five or six starts or however many there are for NIS. That needs to stay the same. I like John's idea because 
of the dilution part. You know, let's have a premium series that is the most popular in iRacing that has the most draw. Like you said, three to 500 people. When you split that many people, you're really racing a lot of people in your own iRating and your own skill level. There's lots of advantages to this. And if we combine the Peak and the Pro into the NIS and just basically say, tell those guys, okay, now you just run NIS just like everybody else and top split is, is it that, you know, that's the one that gets broadcast. That's the one that we call peak. Uh, seems like a no brainer to me. I mean, it's literally the same schedule. Why not? Yeah, it makes sense. The other thing though, is it would, it would prevent those racers from really doing anything during the week because now if they drop their eye reading, they could be out of the top split. So you don't have in like you're not motivated to do a open for practice or to do the B car or to do the C car for any right. reason just for fun. Like all that is risking your I rating. You couldn't risk your I rating once you're in top split. It has to stay up there where you're not or, or you're going to lose out on peak points. I'm pretty sure some most of those guys have dual accounts, two accounts, you know, just for that reason. But uh, but that's the thing. I mean, those guys already have the I rating to be top split, or they wouldn't even be in peak. I mean, so I don't know if that's a big issue, but uh, I love the idea. I think it's good. Um, I don't know that it will happen, but we'll see. After the mess, you know, at the beginning of this season, I would say it probably won't. <laughs> but I digress, I guess. All right, what's next? Next is a Facebook post from Turn 3 Motorsports. Uh, some of you may know uh, one, of their, one of their members and longtime iRacer, Brad Miller, and his family have been facing battle with cancer. Uh, Brad's wife was diagnosed with breast cancer, to which she's undergone surgery and getting chemotherapy. Uh, so they are doing a support benefit race on Saturday, August 26th. Uh, open setup a car at Homestead with a $20 entry fee. They do have Race Spot TV doing the broadcast. They are paying the top three positions uh, with iRacing gift cards: 100 bucks, 50 bucks, and 25 bucks. And all the proceeds are going to the Miller family with donations welcome. Nice. And of course, Brad Miller, a longtime contributor to this podcast and a friend of mine, and. Uh, former teammate uh, that moved on to a different team. So uh, wanted to get the word out, and if everybody can join in if they're available. Uh, it's obviously a good cause, and uh, we'll be thinking about Brad and his wife. Is there somewhere where you can donate and not race? I haven't heard of one, but I'm sure you could contact Brad Miller on, uh, on Facebook. Uh, he's definitely out there. And he's also, his team is called Turn 3 Motorsports. You can find them on Facebook and get more information about this race. They're the ones that are putting it on. They listed that uh, donations are welcome. So I, I'm sure if you message Turn 3 Motorsports, they'll be able to help out with where you can send a, a donation without racing. All right, that's yep. good to know. Oh, yeah. Get out there and help, guys. we got a big listener base. If you can uh, spare a couple dollars, 
everything helps. All right, uh, next up, iRacing has announced they've added a couple more cars to Time Attack, including the Lotus 49. I love that car. I don't own it. I've, I've run it in a test drive, as they call it. Yeah, it's a fun car. It's, it's hard to drive, but it's a fun car. You own all the content, right, Justin? Yeah, yes, sir. I do. Yeah. That, that car is a lot of fun, and the engine sound on that car is fantastic. Right. So, Time Attack really hasn't grown on me. I haven't felt the need to go try it much. I mean, have you guys done Time Attack at all? or? I've done it a little bit. It's, it's fun, but I don't see where it would come into play to help me with INS or anything like that. Right. I've only used it for testing the new UI. Uh, I'm not a. I'm not a open setup person yet, and b. I know I'm not going to put competitive te- uh, times down. I think the one I did last time I checked, I was dead last. Uh, so I, I don't think Time Attack really appeals to me. Uh, but I mostly was u- using the new UI for it. Right. All right, what's next? Next, we have a uh, post on the forums of talking about SimPit shifting aids. Uh, there's a little video that they put together about shifting aids and, and what am I doing wrong? Uh, so it kind of goes over the differences of auto blip, auto shift, and how you can make the transition from using those aids and then getting to a full-fledged manual Manual transmission style. Yeah, lots of discussion on this one too. And basically, uh, David from iRacing said, you want to stick with auto blip on. It gives you the smoothest experience. But if you feel ready for the next challenge, then go with the no shift aids and learn the art of the shifter. What do you guys use? I have auto blip on, and I'm just going to, that's where I'm stuck. I'm not going to change that. Yeah, that's what I got too. I just, seems the easiest thing for me. I actually currently have auto shift on, uh, just because lack lack of a clutch pedal. Uh, But that's one of the first things I want to uh, get upgraded, so I don't have to do that. Now, I have a clutch pedal, but it's useless. I mean, because... The car isn't going to stall out if you don't use the clutch. And I really don't like that about iRacing, but that's a decision they made at some point. I mean, the clutch is there, but if you don't use the clutch, then it auto-uses the clutch for you, so to speak. Like, if you come into pit road and you come to a stop in your box, just because I have a clutch... The game will put, push the clutch in for you, you know, electronically, when you come to that stop. It, rather, if you push on your clutch or not. And so, I wish there was a switch in iRacing where you could turn that off. I don't think there is. Where, if I didn't use the clutch and I came to a stop, the engine would stall out, you know, like it should. Now, if you don't use auto blip, does it still not stall out or does it stall out? 
It never stalls out. That's what I'm saying. That's the problem. Yeah, that makes sense. It should. It always out. auto clutches. The blip. Now, just to be clear, what that does is, it basically makes it a smooth experience when you're shifting gears. Like, it'll let off the gas enough automatically to be able for the gear shift to be completed correctly and and so forth. Now, I've experimented with that button turned off and what happens is let's say you're going up through the gears and you're going up to speed and you're going from second to third, if you don't let off the gas and or use the clutch a little bit as you're going from second to third, it doesn't actually work. You have to like blip the gas, like let go of it just a little bit so the gear will fall out and be able to be shifted. So, yep. Uh, have you guys ever driven with a lot driving line? I used to run it all the time, but I don't anymore. No, I've never used it on iRacing. I've used it on uh, console games, but not on iRacing. I, I do use it, especially since I'm still unfamiliar with, with most of the tracks. Um, I know the driving line isn't isn't perfect. It's not the best line, but it can at least give me something that I can aim for and adjust with as I learn the track. And you know it's color-coded, right? Absolutely. That's the beauty of the driving line. It shows you when to push on the brake by the color red. Or when to get back on the gas by the color green. Also likes to tell me to break going through triovals, which no. <laughs> so it's not always right. Yeah, not always, but it, it's close enough. You you just learn that okay, breaking here. Why would I break here? I just ignore that. All right. Next up. Todd Hendrick uh, took to the forums to complain about why in the world can spotters chat to anyone in the race other than their own racer. And I've had a bad experience with this in the past. What about you guys? Have you ever had a spotter in your race that was like causing havoc? I've never had a spotter. The only instance I've seen of this was when I was watching somebody stream. Uh, during caution laps, the spotter would play music. And there's no real easy way to mute a driver's spotter. You can find them in relative or in standings to mute the driver, but that doesn't mute their spotter. So there was no way to get rid of the music. This is a problem. I, I agree with Todd. It, this needs to be addressed. I mean, I the people in this thread are arguing that, look, the spotters just literally should not be able to talk to anybody else but the people on their team. And I agree with that. That's the way it should have been from day one. It, I think it's ridiculous that the spotters can talk to everybody, uh, that they can ruin an event. And nobody can do anything about it because of what you just described where you can't mute the guy. I was in a Texas NIS race once last fall where a spotter named Matt Martin basically came over the radio and was disrupting the race by playing music, by talking all the time, 
by talking smack, uh, like you said, playing music and doing things like that were just basically clogging up the radio where nobody could actually use it for the race. I ended up protesting him uh, as well as about four other people in the race ended up protesting him as well. Uh, and the other thing about that is you go to the protest system, you can only protest a driver. You cannot protest a spotter. And so I ended up having to protest the driver that the spotter was with and basically writing in the description box what actually happened. Hey, it wasn't necessarily the driver. It was his idiot spotter that was actually causing all the problems. John Hammer, I think, had a real good comment on here that uh, it comes down to the people. The people that are doing that are the people that want to cause havoc. Good spotters may be calling out a race, calling out a wreck to the field just to try to give everyone a, a heads up. Uh, but bad spotters ruin that for people that are actually trying to practice becoming a good, a good spotter. Uh, another suggestion was would be instead of all teams to have spotters go in all spotters so other spotters can hear them uh, or to limit it to direct kind of like how they do in in NASCAR where a spotter can talk directly to another team or to another driver but not necessarily to everyone at all all at once. I mean I see John's point that you know, if, if the spotter is actually appropriate and correct, that it can actually be a good thing to be able to talk over that. And it's a shame that, you know, there's people like that Matt Martin who ruin it for everybody. But uh, I don't know. I just think the chat is already too wild, wild west um, between all the drivers. I mean, do we really need spotters in there, too? Is it really re relevant? You know, I think we could do it without it. Absolutely can do without it. It's too much with the drivers, like you said already. Yep. All right, what's next? Next, we have a forum post about talking two monitors versus three monitors. Uh, racer getting back into eye racing had two monitors and was talking about how what the difference between a two monitor setup and a triple monitor setup would do. Uh, so there's some comments in here about uh, VR. There's some people posting some suggestions. Uh, you have David Tucker talking about two monitors do work just fine, but they don't have any tools specifically for two monitors since you have to align one as the center. Uh, they do have the, the tools for the, for the uh, triple monitors, uh, but they're talking you have two choices. You can either line the monitors up flat and treat them like one super wide monitor with a black bar in the center, or you can run it in a window and size the window to be as big as three monitors, with a, but with a third of the viewing hide off to one side so you can use the triple monitor tools. So David recommends the, the second approach by hiding a third of the view, uh, but he, he admits it's not trivial to get going, and he's tried it himself, and it works well enough. I was just talking about this with you, I think, Justin, a week ago, wasn't it? Yeah, you were. You were, trying, you were telling me how to do it. Yep. And, uh, and then I saw this post by Tucker about it uh, that basically says in a better way uh, what I was trying to tell you last week. But basically, 
what he's saying is in the sim, you set it up as if you have triples, okay? And then what you do is you have a center monitor and you have a left monitor. And you set them up physically as if you had triple monitors, but the right one's just missing. So you literally have one that's centered. The one is centered in front of you. And then the, uh, the second monitor is off to your left, but at an angle. And that you can kind of see out the left window of the car through that left monitor. And so how you do this is you basically um, put it in windowed mode. You open the app INI and the iRacing folder under My Documents. At the bottom, you'll find the Graphics section. At the bottom of the Graphics sec section, is it says Windowed. And it's got an X position, Y position. And basically, that if you put right now, those numbers are zero. So what that tells the sim is when the X is zero and the Y is zero, that means start the sim in the upper left corner of whatever monitor is on the far left. And so in Windows, you have two monitors, right? <clears throat> so it'll just start it in the upper left corner of the left monitor. And, and <clears throat> so actually what you do is you put a negative number there, uh, basically a negative 1920 on the X, and that will move everything. It'll shift it over so it'll be on the left screen, if that makes sense. So basically, you just go to windowed X position equals negative 1920. You hit save, and you and that's it. And then in the sim, you set it up as triples. You put a resolution that would be, uh, what is it, 5760 by 1920 would be triples. And you would check mark the three screen thing and so forth. Now, this only works for stock car racing, NASCAR stuff, but not for road racing. Well, you sure, it would. you just have a, a left. It's just like having triples, but it, but just pretend that right monitor has just disappeared. So, yeah, you'd be looking out the left window of a, a road car just the same. So it can be done. Uh, there are threads on the forum that give specifics. Uh, what I described is based on memory. Back in the day, I used to run a laptop with two monitors, and they weren't even the same size. But I ran the sim across both monitors using this method, and it works, and it's better than one monitor. And if you have two monitors, ideally they really need to be the same size or the same make and model of monitor for it to look right. If you use different size monitors, it works, but it's just a little weird. So, yep, check that out. If you're not on triples and you're on one and maybe you have a, a access to a second monitor, it doesn't take a lot of experimenting to get this thing working. Uh, try it out. All right, next we're going to jump to hardware. First up is found on eBay. For sale at ebay.com, a CXE Simulations Motion Pro 2 
Racing Simulator, the 2017 model. And guess what? It's all, it's all yours for $45,000. And it's used. That would be awesome. It says That's... this is a very lightly used simulator in a private home. The simulator has been fully inspected by a technician and is in perfect working order. All software was fully updated and tested. The simulator has some very minor wear in the form of a small scuff on the fan scoop. A complete technician report is available on request. I don't know if the wife would appreciate that in the living room, though. <laughs> you need a special room for something like this. Oh, my wife would just have to get past the 45,000. I mean, <laughs> much less the room. 45 Gs. Well, let's talk Absolutely. about value. Uh, the, it says here the cost new, if you were to buy this new, $62,225. This must be what uh, the NASCAR teams have or something close to this, I'm assuming. It's international freight shipping is available with white glove installation by a CXC Simulations Factory Tech is available for no for an additional cost. So you can even have somebody come install it for you. I mean that's definitely top of the line if that's what you're looking at. A little above my price range, but it looks very nice and it is surprising to see one up on eBay. Yep. It is a small footprint. It's not very wide. Uh, one of the pictures actually shows it in a, placed in the corner. So the triples kind of go along the wall, and it, it's really not a, a big footprint. I'm kind of surprised at how thin it looks uh, as far as the width. It's really the width of the seat. How big are those monitors? Like 50 inches? Uh, I'll probably, yeah, probably they're they're bigger than thirty-two, so maybe forty-twos or forty-six. I don't know. That's crazy. And it comes with uh, goggles, Oculus goggles, so it's triples and VR. All right, what's next? Next up, we have some bucket seats on sale at TH Motorsports. Uh, they have a Black Friday in July special where they got it down to $180 for medium bucket seats, $189 for large bucket seats uh, with free shipping. So if you're looking for a bucket seat to get that rig started, this is actually pretty affordable. It looks like a very, very, very nice bucket seat with good cushioning. Uh, to get that rig started. I I saw this on somebody put this on Facebook. I saw this and I liked it because it looks like the seat is nice and wide. And I I'm not a big guy, but the seat I'm in is like a real bucket seat and it really kind of squeezes on my hips a little bit. I think I'd be game for something like this. It looks like it's got a little wider berth there. And it also has uh the holes all set up for belts. So if you wanted to add a five-point harness uh, to your seat, this is all ready for it. 
and it looks like it has a lot of cushioning on it, to be honest. It looks pretty comfortable. Yeah, yeah, it looks comfortable. That's what I was thinking, too. Uh, might be a good upgrade for somebody like me who has, like, uh, the Obutto Ozone with the original seat. I'm not a fan of this seat. I mean, I, like I said, I, I have a little pillow on it to try to get my hips up a little bit so it doesn't squeeze them uh, to kind of make it usable. But I, I wish I had a better seat. This would be a nice upgrade. All right. Uh, next up, we'll talk about real-life iRacing, uh, excuse me, real-life racing uh, crossover with iRacing. Uh, the big story of the week was uh, the New York Times actually put out a big article on Joey Logano and uh, how he races, basically, and how he prepares for racing. Uh, he mentions iRacing by name uh, many times throughout the article and how he uses it and... Uh, And one of the quotes from Logano says, it's the only way, the only way that I know of legally to have any type of feelings that you'd have as a race car driver. Logano said of iRacing, adding that most anyone can go to their local sporting goods store and buy a bat and a ball and you can play baseball. It gives you an idea. So, pretty cool exposure. Uh, New York Times obviously uh, has a huge readership, so a lot of people have seen this article. All right, what's next? Next, iRacing posted a an interview with Kyle Larson on YouTube. Uh, it's about a four-and-a-half-minute video. Uh, it's a real good interview. It talks about his history with dirt racing, NASCAR, and iRacing. And the couple quotables that I've been seeing over and over, as Kyle Larson says, the level of competition on iRacing is better than real life. Uh, and and he talks about uh, how there are some people that haven't been noticed uh, yet. They are on, on iRacing, but they haven't gotten real-life rides uh, just because they haven't been noticed and they don't, they don't have the money. Uh, so there's a lot of good quotables for iRacing's cause from this interview. I was, I thought this was awesome. I mean, four and a half minutes of Kyle Larson, superstar in NASCAR, basically pumping up iRacing, saying how it's more competitive than real NASCAR, that he likes to do it, but he but he gets frustrated because he can't win in iRacing, that he goes and runs the BXfinity car in iRacing and, and can't win like he does in NASCAR because the competition's actually harder in iRacing. And he basically states that. And I, I'm just blown away by that, that we actually get some very credible person. I mean, you can't get much more creditable than this. To say, you know, what I've always known all along, that iRacing is very, very competitive. Awesome. Yeah, very cool that 
iRacing was able to even capture this video with uh, Kyle to be able to sit down for a long, uh, a lengthy interview and and uh, and so forth. A great video. Check that out. All right, final topic. Ty Majeski, we talk about him literally every week. Guess what? He got a sponsor. We talked about before that iRacing is somehow off the car, but uh, I guess they got a sponsor for the Roush Fenway number 60 Xfinity team, and it's going to be Bit O Honey, which is a candy bar that I actually like. So they're going to be on the car uh, on at Iowa for the Xfinity race. So I'm glad to see he's got a sponsor. I'm glad Roush has found somebody to to put on the car. Uh, I'm I'm a little disappointed it's not iRacing, but at least they got one. Always good to see someone from iRacing uh, sort of kind of make it in the real world. Yep, good for him. And that race is coming up this Saturday, July 29th. Yeah. Let's uh, all watch that and support Ty. All right, that's it for topics. Let's go into final thoughts. Uh, Jason Daniels, what do you got? Since we mentioned it earlier, I just wanted to follow up. The Peak Series does not race tonight. The next race is August 2nd at Indianapolis. Uh, so no peak tonight, but it will be running next week. Uh, other than that, Pocono this week, another two-and-a-half-mile track. Uh, just have to really get in and get my practice time up. Um, kind of getting a, a little tired of finish in the middle of the pack. I want to get some higher finishes. I, I know that's only going to come with time and practice. So I want to try to devote more time to uh, practicing behind the wheel, uh, getting experience on these tracks, uh, it, it really start to work on my eye rating some. Nice. All right, Justin Laird, what do you got? Uh, looking forward to Pocono. Hopefully I'll get to run some races there in the C truck. And looking forward to Iowa, actually, and see. It's one of my favorite tracks, and hopefully get the top five finish there. And uh, thanks for having me on the podcast. This was actually really fun, and... Looking for good results in the future. All right, and welcome to the team. Uh, looking forward to running with you this week. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to Pocono as well. Uh, I didn't. I'm not a big fan of the full-length races. Uh, I did get through them at the Brickyard 400, um, and I got a nice top five out of it. That was kind of a little bit unexpected. So I'm real happy with the result this week. Uh, boy, I was pumped for that top five and. I hope I can, you know, maybe get another top five at Pocono. That'd be fantastic. So, um, the other thing, as far as final thoughts, I'm concerned about the new UI and uh, kind of dreading the day where the website goes away at this point. Uh, I opened the new UI the other day. I wasn't really impressed with the changes I've seen there so far. And I started thinking, boy, you know, what's going to happen when the website's gone and I have to use this thing? And um, I don't know. I guess I'm just not a big fan. I guess it will work. But the question is, is it better? 
and I'm not sure that it is. And uh, maybe it's just because I'm an old guy, and it, you know, it's hard to teach an old guy new tricks. Uh, but boy, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I'm certainly concerned about how that's going to play out. I hope they don't push uh, getting away f- from the website so soon uh, until they're sure that they got it where it needs to be. So uh, just just a uh, little bit worried about that. You give me a dirt license, I'll do a UI in eight bits. I don't care. Yeah, let's get the dirt license. There you go. All right, with that, we'll see you later. Have a good night. See you later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.